Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey there! Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Island College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike Subs. Jersey Mike's a sub above. David Cobb is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please do it while you're here. All right. Let's get into it. Before the big conference tournaments get started, we are doing short episodes on the six so-called power conferences. We're going to have previews, already have previews, of the ACC tournament, Big Ten tournament, Big 12 tournament, Big East tournament, SEC tournament, Pac-12 tournament. This one, the one you're watching or listening to right now, it's on the Big East tournament, which gets underway Wednesday inside the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. First round on Wednesday, quarterfinals on Thursday. Semifinals on Friday, title game Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox, which is not America's most watched network. Marquette is the number one seed. It's not the network of stars. After winning the Big East by two uh, games, number two seed is Xavier, three seed Creighton, four seed UConn, five seed Providence. Right now, Jerry Palm has all five of those schools projected to make the NCAA tournament. First question for you, Cobb. Marquette, right now, projected as a two-seed, according to most brackets. If everything breaks the right way, both inside Madison Square Garden, which would include Marquette winning the Big East tournament after being outright Big East champs, and things that happen in other conference tournaments, perhaps to a Houston or a Purdue or a UCLA or an Alabama, is there a scenario where Marquette on Selection Sunday finds itself as a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? A scenario, yes, uh, an unlikely scenario to be yeah. clear, but but it could happen, right? If Alabama takes a loss to Mississippi State or Florida in, in the quarterfinals, Houston uh, bows out early of the AAC tournament. I mean, I don't have a ton of faith in Purdue uh, in this Big Ten tournament as mediocre as they've been the last few weeks. It would seem more likely than not that they don't win the Big Ten tournament. And then you you think about UCLA with a, a key injury in Jalen Clark. We don't know the severity of that officially yet, but if the committee decides that they are not palatable on the one line due to the loss of a key player in theory, yeah, there's a scenario in which Big East champion Marquette gets on the one line. I mean, they're entering the, this week as uh, projected number two in, in Palm's bracketology, so it's not a, a, just some crazy burden to overcome. It's unlikely, but I could see it. Yeah, unlikely, but I could see it. I think we're on the same page. Um you point out something that's interesting here with the one seeds, because I really think there's five teams right now competing for one seeds in the NCAA tournament. It is in some order, Houston, UCLA, Kansas, Purdue, and Alabama. 
And most people right now will have Kansas, Houston, and Alabama as ones with either UCLA or Purdue. I would prefer UCLA right now in this moment. Jerry Palm uh, prefers Purdue. Reasonable minds can disagree on that. I think it's going to be hard for anybody else to crack that top five. Like I think four of those five are going to be one seeds. But the interesting thing about this, Purdue is four and four in its past eight games. Now that doesn't mean anything relative to its entire resume. But if you are trying to point to teams that are in this conversation and haven't been playing well, Purdue is four and four in his past eight games. Alabama has not played a single good game since it became publicly known that Brandon Miller delivered a murder weapon to the scene of a crime. Immediately after that, the next day, uh, needed overtime at South Carolina, got pushed at home by Arkansas, had to come back from way down to beat Auburn at home, and then close the regular season with a loss at Texas A&M. So those are two possible number one seeds that haven't been playing well lately. UCLA, as you mentioned, been playing well, but might have just lost certainly for the Pac-12 tournament, lost second-leading scorer, second-leading rebounder in Jalen Clark, and might not have him again this season. So if you were looking for teams that could slip up, I just gave you reasons why three of the five best resume teams in the country could slip up. And if they do early, perhaps, perhaps there's an opening for Marquette right now. Golden Eagles are six and five in quadrant one, five and oh in quadrant two. So 11 and five in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss to Wisconsin. Best they can be on selection Sunday, I think is probably 13 and five in the first two quadrants with eight quadrant one wins. And that would get them really close. But I think barring, a disaster from Houston and a disaster from Purdue, perhaps a disaster from Alabama, maybe from UCLA, some combination in there. I think Marquette ultimately gets really close if it wins the Big East tournament, but it's probably closer to being the best number two as opposed to the the first number one. Next question. Can anybody besides Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, UConn, Providence – the teams that are projected right now to get at-large bids to the NCAA tournament by Jerry Palm. Can anybody else in the Big East get an at-large bid, or is that path closed for everybody else? Yeah, no shot. I mean, you look at you look at Villanova and Seton Hall. There, there was a time maybe when you could see one of those two teams emerging and closing strong and getting into that conversation. And certainly Villanova has been better in recent weeks since Justin Moore's return. I saw Seton Hall in person in early February. They were teetering on the outskirts of the bubble at that point, but there was a three-game losing streak recently that sort of removed them from that conversation altogether. Granted, Seton Hall did close the season with a really impressive 24-point road win at Providence, but just not going to be enough for them to get into the at-large conversation. I don't think that detracts, though, from the the intrigue of this tournament, though, given the fact that these five teams at the top have been so dominant all year long. And then you at least have some intrigue in terms of a potential bid thief with Villanova or Seton Hall. It, it wouldn't be unfathomable to consider one of those two teams getting on a run and clinching an automatic bid. But nah, in terms of, of at-large, uh, that, that ship has sailed for all but those top five teams. I think that's right. Seton Hall is 6-12 and 12 in the first two quadrants heading into the Big East tournament. Got a quad three loss and a quad four loss. So even if the Pirates were to add, I don't know, two quadrant one wins and then lose in the title game, it's still not good enough, uh, I don't think. You mentioned Villanova. A lot of people have called Villanova a potential bid stealer. You heard it all season. Well, well, you know, when they get Justin Moore back, watch out. And they got Justin Moore back. And I people are still saying 
Villanova with Justin Moore is dangerous, and maybe, but you know, like, that's a maybe. You know what's a definite? Here's a fact. Villanova's six and five with Justin Moore. Six and five. He returned on January 29th. Since then, Villanova is six and five and ranked 46th at Torvid. So they're not even a top 40 team in the country with Justin Moore. Obviously, um, the resume is dinged up. No chance at an at-large. But there are still people who think Villanova could realistically hope to win the Big East tournament. Are you in that group? Yeah, they can hope to do it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they open with Georgetown, so you, you kind of give them a bye to the quarterfinals. Then they'll have the inherent advantage of being used to the, the scenery of, of Madison Square Garden uh, when they play Creighton uh, on Thursday in the quarterfinals. So there's some advantage there and having a game under your belt before your legs start to leave you. Yeah, yeah, I could see, I could see them advancing and winning some games in this tournament. I wouldn't even put it outside the realm of possibility that that Villanova reaches the final. I mean, this is a team with some talent. Uh, There's no question. And I will say Justin Moore has improved as his return has gone on. Uh, He had 23 in their win over Seton Hall last time out, Um, put up 25 in a win at Xavier. Uh, That's that's a big time win. So they, they have gotten better as his return has continued. I mean, they're entering this tournament having won six of their past eight. Uh, included in that stretch are wins over Xavier and Creighton. Uh, so it's it's not unfathomable, unfathomable uh, really at all to, to envision Villanova making a run here. It's a relatively favorable draw because uh, the Georgetown game is up first, and then Creighton is 3-3 uh, three and three over their last six. So they're not playing hot teams to start off this tournament. But then, you know, once you get into the semifinals and you got three games in three days, four games in four days, uh, with a guy like Justin Moore being somebody who you're relying upon, who's still working his way back from a serious injury from a conditioning standpoint, eh, it gets a little little iffy then. But uh, yeah, Villanova is absolutely one of the the most interesting teams of this week, not just in the Big East tournament, but really of any of any power conference. Because like North Carolina, they've got their back against the wall as a a storied power conference program, and they've got to make a run to uh, you know fulfill their ambitions. I can imagine it. I can imagine it but only because I have a big imagination. Um, I don't see it. My prediction, Villanova loses to Creighton after beating Georgetown in the opening round, which leads me to my next question. Is this Patrick Ewing's last week as Georgetown's coach? How can it not be? That would be, that would be my question. Uh, they, they just, uh, barring a run like the run they had in, in the Big East tournament a couple of years back, and, and that's just it's just not going to happen. It's not even any sense in entertaining the possibility. There's been absolutely zero evidence whatsoever that this Georgetown team has something like that in them. And the top half of the league is is too good for them to have, you know, be able to make that sort of a run. So I would absolutely anticipate this being the end for Patrick Ewing. Yeah, it, it has to be. I, I know it's Patrick Ewing and I know they owe him a lot of money, but this has gotten so bad. Like, it's not even like, well, the. You know, the ball just really some unfortunate injuries or really some tough breaks like there have been injuries, but there is no explanation for how you are two and uh, 30, uh, 37 in the Big East in the past two years, other than you're not doing the job effectively. Like, I don't care what happens to your team. It is never an excuse to win two conference games over a two year span at a place like Georgetown, like your whole team just quits in the middle of the season. You, you still ought to be able to figure out to win more than two games at Georgetown um, in conference play. So this is bad. Um, it is awkward. And 
I cannot imagine him returning next season. Like even when, when you know, Georgetown blogs and Georgetown diehards have just said enough of the Patrick Ewing stuff, um, then that's in a in a place that you you have to you have to alter things. I don't know what it looks like next, but it can't look the same because nobody goes to the games anymore. Um, apathy has set in and it stinks because I wanted Patrick to do well there. As I've explained many times, he is among the biggest sports figures from my childhood. He is when I got introduced to college basketball, it was obviously through then Memphis state, but in that time, early eighties, you know, Memphis state and Georgetown were two of the best programs in America. They both had all American bigs, Georgetown, Patrick Ewing, Memphis state, Keith Lee, and so Patrick Ewing was this big figure in my life, and I thought it would be super cool to watch him lead Georgetown back to a great place, but the opposite has been true. And, yes, I do believe that um, he will coach his last game at Georgetown sometime this week. Mike Anderson, also a Big East coach, perceived to be on the hot seat. There's actually been conflicting reports out of New York about what St. John's plans to do. Now, whatever St. John's plans to do, they can change their plans whenever they want to. But assuming Mike Anderson, Golden Gate Mike, doesn't have some amazing run in the Big East tournament this week, uh, yes or no, he will coach at St. John's next season. Yeah, I'd go no if they if they take an early L and early exit. This seems like the scenario, though, where a coach saves his job with a run. Uh, it kind of feels like it's come down to that. And I don't know what, what conversation or conversations are being had behind the scenes within that administration, but you, you can't fire a coach who, who uh, goes on a run in the Big East tournament. Uh, this seems like a situation where he's ripe for what Patrick Ewing did a few years ago. That's This is a St. John's team that is at least capable. They at least have good enough players on their rosters and some flashes of, of competence that lead you to believe they could certainly win their first game against Butler. And uh, I, I don't know that I have much faith in them to beat Providence in the quarterfinals, excuse me, Marquette in the quarterfinals, but I don't know. I, I could go either way on on uh, on this one. It, it's tough because St. John's is a is a proud program, but it's not like a program with a, a ton of storied history and a, a program that's making the second weekend annually. Uh, a program that can expect to do that. So, I mean, what are the expectations here? Who are you going out to get that's significantly better than Mike Anderson? I guess that's probably what it comes down to. And if Rick Pitino's on deck, then hey. Sure, absolutely. Uh, but but if you're going out and getting somebody from uh, the Colonial Athletic Association who no one's ever heard of, uh, is it really worth it? I don't know. What's the financial situation like at St. John's? Uh, those are the questions I would ask. Um, obviously, like the results haven't been there. Four straight years, zero NCAA tournament appearances, finished seventh or worse in the Big East in three of the four years, never higher than fourth. So if you want to make a change at St. John's, I just gave you the ammo you need to do it. Um, I'm with you. Like if Rick Pitino, I don't know that St. John's would hire Rick Pitino. Obviously, different university leaders would feel differently about that. But if I were a university leader at St. John's, I would want to hire Rick Pitino. And if I was confident Rick Pitino would take my job, uh, you know, next week or later this month, I would make a coaching change. Short of that. I do think you have to consider, like, who are we really hiring? You know, who are we really getting? And I know sometimes there is a thing of just change for the sake of change. Like, you know, when 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 Missouri is is going to move on from Conzo Martin, 
it's like, uh, well, who are they going to hire, really? Well, it turns out they made a – it's Dennis Gates from Cleveland State. And maybe that doesn't wow people at a press conference, but, boy, he's been terrific in, in year one at Missouri. So sometimes you just change because nobody believes in the current guy anymore. So just give me the new guy. I don't care if it's worse, but I just need something fresh to believe in. And a lot of coaching changes are rooted in that. I don't know if this one will go down that way, but obviously – That'll be a big topic of conversation around the St. John's program in the uh, in, in the coming days. All yeah, right. just give just give me somebody who can unlock Posh Alexander's full potential. <laughs> that's all. That's all I ask. It, it, it's a shame that we've watched Posh Alexander's career uh, unfold the way it has unfolded with a lack of NCAA tournament per participation. Because you've been the biggest Posh Alexander believer, certainly at CBS Sports over the past few years, and perhaps I'm not ruling it out. Continental United States, perhaps. Prediction: Which two teams going to make the title game of the Big East tournament, and who is going to win it? Yeah, I kind of go off the beaten path with these things. I mean, when when I did SEC with Matt, I think I ended up going with uh, Texas A and M over Missouri in the final. I mean, I <laughs> nobody likes to see chalk or, or have a chalky prediction, or at least I don't. Uh, I mean, look, last year, you know, we had some rather random conference tournament results. With uh, I think of Iowa was a five seed; they won the Big Ten tournament. Virginia Tech was a seven seed. Uh, and they won the ACC tournament. So, um, yeah, I, I'm ultimately uh, I'm going to do something a little different than than what I did for the site, in, in which I had you know Marquette uh, going the distance. Um, I, I'll send Creighton into the final and and match them up with uh, UConn, and, and and I'll give Creighton uh, the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going Creighton over UConn in the final. I think you know Creighton's lack of depth would be an issue if they had the four games in four days set up, but three games in three days they can get by. Uh they don't get in foul trouble. Uh they'll be fine uh in that way. So Creighton hadn't been at its best recently, uh but this is a team that that has all the uh offensive firepower you could ask for and a great rim protector and Ryan Kalkbrenner uh haven't been playing their best basketball entering the Big East tournament, but it uh, feels like they are uh, ripe for a run this week. My championship game of the biggest tournament, I've got the three seed against the four seed. Three seed Creighton against four seed UConn, and I think UConn wins it. We're taping this on March 7th. I don't know if you know this, but at bartorvik.com, you can sort data from any two dates you pick. So sometimes I'll just go back a month Really, so I can get information to just say on TV, like, you know, over the past month, this team's playing like one of the top 10 teams in America, something like that, right? And if you go sort the data at UConn, I mean, at, at bartorvik.com um, over the past month, so like started on February 7th, run it through the current, UConn registers as the best team in the country. It's one UConn, two Houston, three Gonzaga. Four Texas. And this surprised me. Guess who is five? I could give you 20 guesses. You would never get this right. Uh, is it one of the Power Seven conferences? No. Okay, then. Uh, let's go off the beaten path then. Outside the top seven. Uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's three. Oh, you already said Gonzaga. UConn one, Houston two, Gonzaga three, Texas four. Is this team currently projected as an at-large team in Jerry Palm's bracketology? This team is already in the NCAA tournament as an automatic qualifier. Oh, my. Is it uh, uh, Louisiana from the Sun Belt? It is not. It is Drake (laughs) 
from the Missouri Valley ah. Conference, registers as the fifth best team in the country over the past month, which surprised me. Maybe it shouldn't. They've been, you know, they've obviously been winning a lot, but I didn't expect the list to go UConn, Houston, Gonzaga, Texas, Drake. By the way, Creighton is second in the Big East, 16th in the nation over the past month. Xavier, third in the Big East, 20th in the nation. Marquette, fourth in the Big East. So your outright Big East champion over the past month actually registers at Torvik as the fourth um, best team in the Big East. Blah, 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 blah. Marquette's, Marquette's, the Marquette's won six in a row. You, you have row. You, Hey, take it up with Bart Torvik himself. Okay, Get out of here, man. Marquette won't. Whatever. I'm going to need you to take that up with Bart Torvik himself. <sighs> hey, for what it's worth, I checked uh, the actual tournament odds. UConn's the favorite. Creighton's the second favorite. Yeah, it was Marcus. funny. We were do, we were doing our picks for the site, and you know, Marcus asked us to submit a sleeper pick. And the only criteria that he gave us for that was pick a team that is not either the number one seed or the number two seed in their conference tournament. So at the time, obviously, I've revised my prediction for the pod now having a few days to marinate on it. But uh, at the time I went Marquette to win it. And then I was like, Oh yeah, sleeper team. Oh, UConn's the four seed. I could see them as, as my sleeper. And then, and then I pull up the, the odds from Caesars and, and UConn is the betting favorite to yes. win the Big East tournament. So I, I have chosen the, the betting favorite as my sleeper team uh, really going out on a, <laughs> uh, on a limb there. Yeah. So Marquette only has the third best odds as the outright Big East champ to win the Big East tournament. That's uh, somewhat surprising, but maybe it shouldn't be con- considering Marquette is only the fourth best team in the Big East over the past month, according, according to Bart Torvik. Hey, if you don't like it, take it up with BartTorvik.com. Don't kill kill the messenger. Marquette's so interesting, though. They they are the best two-point shooting team in the country. Our guy Cam Jones from Memphis, who played at ECS. Yeah, he's a guard, and he makes 65% of his two-pointers. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, They've got multiple guys who aren't even like back-to-the-basket bigs who make over 60% of their twos. Uh, I just don't understand how Shaka Smart completely reinvented his offense and became the engineer of one of the best offensive teams in the country, which is what he's done at Marquette. Because if you watch his teams at Texas, they were they were not necessarily the, the best offensively, uh, not the most beautiful offensive teams. And now here he is with with a, a really fun offensive team that, that makes a lot of shots. Uh, anyway, that a little bit of a tangent, but I think Marquette, Marquette is like a little bit of a con- computer tricker in that sense. Um, they, they are really good at two-point shots. Two-point shots are easier to make than three-point shots. It seems like a really sustainable source of offense that could carry this team in the postseason. Well, hey, we'll see this week. We'll see this week. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again. Listening, watching the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify five stars nice review there's more of us than there are of them that should be reflected in the comments and we will talk to you again real real soon till then take care what's up y'all this is four-time nba champ andre Iguodala. yo and this is his best friend the ohio state legend Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.